0: Alright, if you have your Bibles open with me to John chapter 9, we're in John's gospel, and it's a small series of messages. Uh, I think Pastor Brian said small but powerful. It's going to be two weeks long, and it's called Discover Your Story. So it's going to start this week, it will end next week, and we don't want you to miss it. Um, And so what we are doing in a very short amount of time here is helping us understand together the power of our story and the story that God has been writing in our lives and desires for us to tell to others. And so we're in John's Gospel, Chapter 9. And as we get started here, as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray for this morning's word. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you that, Lord, you have been the author of life That's what your word says. You are also the author uh, and perfecter of our faith. And so today, Lord, we put our trust in you. We pray that you'd meet us in a special way, that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, as your word is open before us, Lord God, we ourselves open our hearts before you, and we say simply, come and have your way among us. Lord, we want to know your heart, and we want to follow you in obedience, Lord, and I thank you that your word has the power to speak to us right where we are today, to challenge us, to change us, Lord God, and to shape us into who you've called us to be. And so we give you this, uh, this message, Lord God, in these two weeks especially, that you would come and do something amazing in our hearts. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Stories are powerful and this idea of discovering your story is something that God desires for each one of us to do. Stories have the ability to capture your imagination. They have the ability to grab you and grip you deep in your heart. They have the ability for you to um, get so caught up in a story that you will lose track of time. Stories are the reasons why people are spending billions and billions of dollars every year to go into movie theaters (laughs) and see uh, fictional tales of things that have happened. Why? Because the story is so great gripping, so powerful that you just don't want to miss it. And so stories are a very, very powerful thing. And each of us has a story to tell. And whenever we're able to tell a good story and remember a good story, it's something that can uh, really cause our hearts to just become warm. It can cause us to be connected to one another uh, in a very special way. My wife and I, this last weekend, we were away from church. We went and we celebrated six years of marriage. And so we are so excited for God's blessing on these first six, and we're praying for six more decades that God will give us to, uh, to be able to walk together. And I'm so thankful for my wife. She's such a blessing, such a great mom and a great wife. And uh, we were just so happy to be able to celebrate our anniversary, 7-Eleven. We'll never forget it. Every time we drive by a Mini Mart, 7-Eleven, we <laughs> always remember our anniversary. Um, and so we celebrated together, and we did it in a very special way. We went out to eat, on a Friday night and then uh, it, after dinner we went into the city and there's a show that is now playing it was in previews for the last few weeks and on last Thursday it was its opening night and the show is called Amazing Grace and some of you have heard some of you are excited you've seen it right or uh, you've seen some previews for it this is an incredible show that you won't want to miss uh, you do want to take part in it we just sang the song together Amazing Grace it's an old song uh, and that song uh, that many people know has a story behind it that no one really knows. It's a powerful story about how that song can be written and about the man who wrote it. And that's all I'm going to tell you. I don't want to ruin it because many of you may go see it and should go see it. But the idea that this song has such a powerful story behind it makes me hear the words to the song in a completely different way. Story has the power to do that. Whenever you understand the story behind something, it gives that which you are looking at greater significance. For me, whenever we were away for our anniversary, we were uh, looking around and we were going uh, shopping at little yard sales and we enjoy that uh, from time to time. And as we were looking around at a yard sale, we came across a bunch of... uh, tchotchke things and things that uh, maybe Lily would like, so we've got her a little handbag that we would bring home to her uh, since we were away for the weekend. But as I was walking away from this one particular yard sale last weekend, I saw this huge typewriter from like the 1930s or 1940s, and uh, this big typewriter was something that caught my eye, and I like kind of old things that have gears and all kinds of uh, stuff inside of it, and so I looked at it, and it said $30 on it. And I said, that sounds like a good deal. And I went to pick it up. I said, this is heavy. And we're parked like two miles away. We'd been walking for so long. I said, I'm going to let it sit here for a little while and we'll leave. Well, that night and then the next morning, I woke up and I couldn't get the typewriter out of my head. So here I am looking at my wife, saying to her, we need to go back and find that yard sale and I need to go buy that typewriter. We need to find it. So we, uh, we go and uh, she said, okay, fine, it's probably not going to be there. So we go all the way back. We park right by the place. Of course, it's not there anymore. But the yard sale was happening in front of an antique shop. So my thought was, maybe the typewriter is going to be inside the antique shop. Maybe they were the ones selling it. Well, I walk inside, and lo and behold, there it is, this beautiful typewriter, big, old, 1930s, 1940s, sitting there on the table. And so I walk up to the lady who appears to be the owner of the store, and I say to her, "Um, I see the typewriter I saw yesterday. I'd like to buy it. She said, the typewriter is not for sale. I said, it was for sale yesterday. It was $30. She said, I know. I bought it off of them, and now it's here, and it's not for sale. I was like, but, you, you know, so then uh, someone else, her partner in the business comes up, and I say to her, I said, hey, I, I'm looking at this typewriter. I like it. She said, oh, I'll sell you the typewriter. I said, yes. And they said, no, you won't. It's not for sale. I told you. <laughs> so after, you know, realizing there's no, other, no one else that I could appeal to to try to get this typewriter, I left discouraged and I said to Mandy now we have a mission for the rest of the afternoon I want to find a typewriter I want to find something so we went in and out of these little you know antique shops and it gave us something to do while we were walking around to these stores and I walk into them, and they're, they're expensive. I was thinking, yeah, these typewriters aren't worth it um, for all, all the money they want to charge for them. We finally end up in a store, the last store we were going to go into, and I asked if they had a typewriter, and they said they had four of them. They showed me the first three of them, and they were all like $200 a piece, and I thought, no, that is, I, I want like the $30 special. Uh, she said, well, if you want that, come on to the back with me. And she went, brought me all the way to the back, and she like, pointed at this table that was full of clearance items, and there was this typewriter sitting on it. And this typewriter uh, had stuff growing out of it, basically. There were bugs inside of it. There was It was cobwebs and gunk. And I was like, well, you know, at least maybe the keys will move. The keys weren't moving. You know, I pressed down. The arm just came up a little bit. And uh, But the price was right. It was right what the other one was. So I said, okay, I'll take it. So I get it. And Mandy's like, why, are you, why did you buy this typewriter? I said, well, I just want to kind of see if we can fix it up and get it looking nice and I went home, and I learned I've never restored anything in my life, but I I looked it up on YouTube, what an amazing thing, and I found some rubbing alcohol and compressed air and cotton swabs and all kinds of stuff, and within an hour or two, every key starts working on it. So this thing's getting restored and cleaned out and cleaned up, and um, some of you are, like, ready to cheer for me. Thank you. It makes me feel so good. uh, So I clean it off, and all the things I thought were rust were just dirt, and I'm I'm cleaning it, and I'm thinking, this thing looks beautiful. So now if you walk by my office, you're going to see this little typewriter sitting on my table, and uh, it's there as something, I actually got it working, got ribbon in it, it works, every key works, I'm really happy with it. Um, I tell that story to you, and I'm using it as an example because for me, that kind of story, if someone told it to me, it resonates with me. Stories where someone restores something or redeems something, brings something back, it just it just hits me. It's not because it's a typewriter, it's not because its that's just what I like, it's because there's something about redemption that is so powerful. And the idea of redemption is that something was no longer able to do what it once could. And someone was able to intervene at a point in time and get it doing what it could never do before, what was being held back from doing. And I can remember pressing every key and nothing happening. And now, just within a short period of time, being able to see it working the way it was created to work, something about that resonates in my heart and connects me to that. And so when I look at it, I don't just see this piece of equipment there. I see a story of redemption, something coming back to life. And I love thinking of it in those terms. And so this is something that's from 1941, being able to be used like it was brand new again. That story of redemption is at the heart of what we're going to be talking about today. It's at the heart of something that's happened to me in my life that has me so filled with joy and excitement. It's happened in every one of your lives as well if you've called upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A story of redemption, of someone not being able to do something in A transformative work happening is something that is at the heart of the good news of Christ. Let's look at John chapter 9 together, and we're going to see this story of redemption unfolding right in front of us. This story of miraculous healing and power. It says there that Jesus, as he's passing by with his disciples in verse 1, he saw a man who was blind from birth. This man had been blind his entire life. And as they passed by, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? So who is it? This is verse 2. Who is it that sinned that this man would be born blind? Now this was a popular idea in that day. And I think that some of that idea has carried over even into the, the world we live today. They believed that physical limitations, disabilities, things that someone was walking with was a direct result of sin in their life or in the life of their parent or someone in their family that has caused God to act in this way towards them. And while we can see that part part of that is true and understandable, that sin and and doing things that are wrong and not obeying God and walking in a way contrary to what he would call us to can have lasting impact. If you think about someone who is abusing drugs, it can and many times does have lasting, physical, debilitating um, ramifications inside of their body. If you see that, in fact, even for them, not just for themselves, but even for their children sometimes, can suffer because of those consequences kinds of abuses in their life. And so they're asking this kind of question, well, is it, who, who sinned that this happened to this man that now he cannot see and he's been born in such a way? And for some of us, we have asked that same exact question. For the loved ones that we have, even in our own lives, we have said, Lord, what have I done to deserve what I'm dealing with right now? What have I done that has caused you to to hurt me in this way, what have I done that has caused me to be punished and have to live with these uh, symptoms and issues inside of my life and for many that 's been the way that you 've thought and wrapped your story up is that man I, I am just the, a, a symptom of, of, of an issue that i 've had or someone else has had who messed up that I am going through what i 'm going through right now who sinned in Jesus? I love at the heart of this he 's showing no you have to correct your, your minds and your understanding. This isn't about sin. This isn't about someone sinning or any of those things. Instead, it's about something so much greater. And Jesus in verse 3 says this. He says, Neither this man who sinned or his parents, but it was so that the works of God may be displayed in his life. It isn't about That sin, but it's so that the works of God might be on display in his life. Here's what you need to realize today that Jesus is the author of life. Whenever Peter was preaching and speaking after the day of Pentecost, he said, that you killed the author of life. Jesus is the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. In Hebrews chapter 12, it calls him the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the author of life. And I love that title because he is the one that's ultimately writing our story. And every single one of us has a story. This man that we read about today, he has a story, a story full of shame, a story where he was isolated from those he loved and from society, a story where he was in, outcast. But on this day, he met the author of life, Jesus Christ, and he was ready to unfold a new chapter in this man's story. It would now be a story of redemption, a story where everything has changed. And stories are powerful. His story is powerful and your story is powerful whenever Jesus has become the author of your life. Because your story your story becomes a picture of God's power. Your story becomes a picture of God's power. What I mean by this is exactly what Jesus is saying in verse 3. He's saying it's not about anything else other than this, that this man's story, it's so that God's works can be displayed in him. Each one of us as God has been writing the story of our life and as we've been going through the dips and the ups and downs and the valleys, God has been at work writing our story. And the ultimate end result of that story is this, so that the works of God could be put on display. So that you and I would get to the end of our lives and every step through it and we would become a picture of God's power that could be on display for the world around us. Your story has that potential if it belongs to Jesus, if he's Lord of your life. Jesus goes on to say in verse 4 that we must do the works of him who sent me as long as it is day because night is coming when no one can work. Jesus is talking about the limited time that he would have with his disciples. And he said, it's so important that we do the work for which I've come into this world. And that is to come and to redeem, to come and to bring the sight to the blind. It's to come and to bring healing and restoration. And ultimately, it is coming to seek and save the lost and change them forever by the grace of God Jesus said it in verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So he said, I have to shine brightly while I'm here because the night is coming. There's going to be a time. There's going to be a time that I won't be here. And so this is the job that I am here and I'm setting an example that my followers will follow in. And so Jesus is doing this work and he's healing. And it's amazing because there are many miracles that we see throughout the Bible, even in the Old Testament. But one of the ones that you you don't really see in the Old Testament is, is the restoring of sight to the blind. That's something that is not really seen up until we get to the New Testament with Jesus. And as he comes, it's amazing because if you would look at all of his miracles and then you would categorize them, bringing sight to the blind is one that we continually see happening over and over and over again. Jesus is also telling us something through his healing. He's showing us that part of why he came was to bring sight to the blind. He was here to open physical and spiritual eyes to finally see God and see the way to him. Just as Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was there to open the eyes of those who had become blind to God, who had gone in the wrong way. And so Jesus was here healing physically, healing spiritually, and showing people what it meant to live the life that God had for them. As we get into verse 6, he's speaking to them some more, and, and as he finishes speaking, he literally spits in the ground, and he began to make clay out of the spittle, and then he applies it to the man's eyes. He then gives him an instruction in verse 7. He says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which translated means sent. And so he sent him to the pool called Scent. Uh, And as he sent him there, he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Now this is a miracle. This man, this isn't a story, this happened in this man's life. Can you imagine with me whenever one page, the page called not being able to see, was turned and a brand new chapter unfolded that says, seeing. (laughs) This was my life before and this is now my life to come, that he left one way and he came back being able to see. When Jesus enters into his story, it changes everything. Guess what? When Jesus entered into my story, it changed everything. When he entered into your story, it changed everything. Everything is different. And as he entered into this story of this man, It turned a brand new page, one where he could now see. His story became a picture of God's power. It showed and displayed to everyone what God had done in him. And that was a story worth telling. So he comes back, and I love this, in verse 8. It says, Therefore the neighbors, those who had previously saw him as a beggar, were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? And others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him. No, he's just a look-alike." But the man himself kept saying, no, no, I'm him. I'm the guy. Verse 10, so they were saying to him, how, how were your eyes open? How, how did this happen to you? Verse 11, he said to this, the man who is called Jesus made clay. He anointed my eyes and he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And I went away and I washed and then I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything else. But what did he do? All he knew was his story. And you know what his story was? It was nothing more than a picture of God's power. His story was just a picture. This man named Jesus came, and he spit in the ground. And he put it on my eyes, and I'm healed today. Because of this man named Jesus, he's made all the difference in my life. You need to realize today that if your story is a picture of God's power, then that is a story that is worth telling. That's a story that should not go untold. That that is a story that continually needs to be told because it carries with it power. That story is a picture of God's power, and that power should not be held back, should not be squashed, should not be hidden. That story of power should be shared with others. And there are three reasons why. Because our story has the power to do something in someone else's life. The first thing is that our, power, our story has the power to connect with people. We were created by a God who created us uniquely who we are. And each of our stories are unique. But your story has the power to connect with someone. The reason is that God created us not to be alone. He said it's not good for man to be alone. He created us for relationship. Therefore, although we are completely unique... We, each one of us, are completely different. Our story is unique to ourselves. Even if you're an identical twin with someone else, guess what? Each of you has a unique story. And that story, though, has the power to connect. It has the power to relate with others. It has the power to appeal to where others are. And so it has the, the ability for us to connect with someone. Now, it may not have the ability to connect with everyone because we're unique. But our story isn't so isolated. It isn't just for us. It's for the benefit of that connecting with someone else. This man, if he thought his story was only for himself, then he would have only gone and talked to blind people about it. If they would have said, what happened to you? He said, none of your business. It doesn't matter. This doesn't appeal to you. You don't need to meet this Jesus because he heals blind people. And I'm blind and I was blind. And so if someone else is blind, I'll tell them my story. But if not, then I'm not talking to you about it. He realized that his story needed to be told. And as they heard it, they connected to it. And so know that your story has the power to connect with someone. And we're going to talk about that a bit more because many people feel that they don't have a story that could connect with anyone or their story isn't something significant enough worth sharing. This man's story was significant and it was worth sharing because it had the power to connect with someone. Others, whenever you think about your story, you need to know that your story has the power to comfort So not just connecting with someone, but it has the ability to comfort people. And your story has the power to comfort those who are where you have been. It has the ability to comfort those who are where you have been. There's some of you today who know what it feels like to see a marriage fall apart right in front of you. Some of you know what it feels like to get a diagnosis that takes your breath away, to walk the terrible road to recovery, to go through difficulties that have just literally paralyzed you right where you are. Some of you know what it feels like to lose everything in an instant. Know what it's like to suffer in your bodies, to suffer the death or loss of a child, of a relative, of a parent. And many of you have walked that journey. And as you've been in the middle of it, you have wondered, you have had all the questions about where God is and how he could still be writing your story when you're going through the difficult valley that you're going through. How many of you have been there? How many of you have felt this in your life, in your body? How many of you might even be living there today? As you've walked through it, there are some of us that are here today that you say this, I've been there, but God has brought me through it. Can anyone cheer for the Lord if that's been you? He's brought you through it. And you know what? There's someone else. They may even be within the very same pew as you or right in this room. They are where you have been. And they're asking all the same questions. And God just might want to use your story that to come alongside them and say, listen, I have been where you are. And I want you to know one thing, God is faithful. God is faithful. What would that have done for you when you were in the valley? What would that have done for you if someone who is it has been where you currently are to come alongside of you and share their story and say, look, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like when someone walks out on the entire family, but I want you to know something. I've been there, but God can lead you through. He's done it for me. That's the power of your story to comfort someone else, to help them see it. For others, you've been living in it, and just because you've held your faith, there's someone else that's going through the same trial that you're going through as well, and they don't have the Lord in their life. And when you share your story and say, I'm going through what you're going through, but there's only one difference between us. The God of the universe has been comforting me and caring for me and walking me through it. And today, in the midst of this, I have peace. That story speaks to someone when you share it. Your story has the power to comfort those who are where you have been. And God wants to use your story to bring comfort to those who are brokenhearted. And finally, your story has the power to change because it's a story of change. If you have a story where Jesus has intervened in your life and he saved you, rescued you from addiction, healed you, called you to himself or saved you, whatever it is, that is a story of change and transformation. And that story, it reflects The power of God to change a life. And above all, whatever it is that you've been through, maybe God healed you miraculously. Maybe it's just that God saved your life. We need to realize today, church, that all the other miracles that we can get so excited about, there is no miracle greater than salvation, than the fact that he forgave us of our sins and saved us. And above that, there is nothing greater. He can heal us all he wants, but if we spend eternity separated from him, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. And so the miracle of salvation in and of itself, if he saved you, that story in and of itself is a story of God's power to change your life. Because there are people that could look at you, the same people that looked at this man born blind, and they have to say this one thing. Wasn't this the guy that used to, you know, and how many of you have heard the stories about yourself, maybe they've asked your co-worker. Wasn't this the guy that used to say, blah, blah, blah. wasn't this the girl used to wasn't this the what happened to them? Some of them are saying, No, no it's not him, it's an imposter, it's someone else. Uh it, it looks like him, but it's not him. He doesn't say all the all the terrible things he used to say, doesn't do all the terrible things they used to do. That can't be the same person. You know what the change factor was, it was Jesus, right? Are you sharing that story? People need to know. They want to know. Some aren't even asking if, but they're dying to know why you're different than you used to be and why you're different than other people that they've been around. It's because this. God has done something in your story that now reflects his power to change a life. And when people hear that and when they know that, you know what they realize? God, if he could do it for you, why can't he do it for me? And faith begins to rise in hearts and people begin to turn their attention towards the Lord. As we see this happen, it, it, it's something that, that is so important to the story of the gospel. If we look at scripture as a whole, you know what is it just a continuation of story upon story where God intervenes in people's lives. And once we get into the New Testament, it's story after story about how Jesus Christ changes, heals, delivers, set free. And you know how it continues to carry on? It's because people never stop telling the story. They never stop telling the story about what God's done in them and what God can do in them through the work of Christ and his forgiveness and his healing touch. That's a story that is worth telling, church. So the question we have to ask ourselves today, the question we really have to get at, is if it's a story worth telling. And if our story, every one of us, has a story that really shows a picture of God's power, then why aren't we telling that story more? Why aren't we telling that story every chance that we get? What is stopping you from telling that story to people that need to hear it the most? And I believe there are a few things we can look at that really get in the way of us telling that story. And so let's confront the first one head on because I I think it hits most of us. The number one area I think that really stops us and becomes a roadblock for us sharing our story with others is fear. It's fear of how people will respond to us. And we see it right here in John chapter nine that this idea of fear is confronted right away. There's a man who is healed. He's healed miraculously and as he is healed, they're wondering what has just happened. And so the religious leaders, the Pharisees, um, they get such a bad rap in Scripture because they're always doubting Jesus, always coming against him, always scheming to try to overthrow him. They just, they're, they're, they're truly in the story of the gospel. They're the ones who are blind. They're more blind than anyone that's there because they can't see what God is doing. They've hardened their hearts to him. And as Jesus is performing this miracle, they get caught in a loophole. He did it on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, so technically he shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath. And so why, why did he, you know, they're getting caught in all these other things, and they're getting very, very frustrated, and they can't understand how this man who they see as a sinner, Jesus, because of who he associates himself with and all these things, how did he heal? How, how did this man get healed? So they bring him to the Pharisees in verse 13, and they say they brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day that Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. So then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and I washed and now I see. This guy doesn't change his story at all. It's one sentence. Jesus applied clay to my eyes, I washed, now I see. Therefore they were saying to him, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others are saying, how can... A man who is a sinner performs such signs. Like, they, they're confused. They don't understand what to do. So they've asked the man. He's told them his story. It's now the third time that he's been able to articulate this. He's telling his story to everyone that will listen to him. His story unfolded. And now he's telling it. So they go and they get his parents. They bring his parents in, and they want to talk to his parents. And if you look in, in verse 18, look down there. It says, the Jews then did not believe it of him, that he had been blind and received sight. So now they're thinking, this is some kind of hoax. And then they called his parents, the parents of this man who had received sight. In verse 19, and they questioned them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how is it that he sees? And I love verse 20. His parents say, we know that this is our son. We know that he was born blind. We know that he sees. We do not know How, who, what opened his eyes, we don't know. You ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Now, if we look at verse 21, it doesn't take commentators to dig into this and people that have studied it for years and years to realize that they are saying this because they're afraid. You know why we know that? Because it says in the very next verse. It says the reason why. It says, the parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. And the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. To be put out of the synagogue meant to become an outcast. That in their culture, in their society, their status would be demoted. And they realized, here, okay, here's what we can say. We're gonna say this happened, this happened, this happened, this, but we are not going to talk about Jesus. You know why? Because then it will affect our status. And we might be seen differently it might reflect on us differently it might cause us to be looked at like outcasts and we don't want that to happen to ourselves so out of self-preservation they chose not to acknowledge what Jesus had done and therefore they weren't really telling the story they told their own version of the story and they kept out the most important element of that story Jesus there's a time that is fast approaching church when it will feel more and more uncomfortable to tell your story about what Jesus has done in your life. And you may already feel it today and you may feel it more in the future, that it can be easy to become afraid to say, if I tell my story, how will they respond to me? They're going to think that I'm I'm weird. They're going to think that, that, um, you know, that I'm an outcast. They're going to look at me in this weird way. They're not going to give me a promotion. They're going to do all these different things, and you're going to be looking, and out of fear, begin to count all the reasons why you shouldn't tell your story. And if we do that, we're going to be no better off than they were, compromising exactly what God had done, not telling the story, but telling a variation of it that keeps Jesus out of it. That's not telling your story and that's not what Jesus has called us to. Instead, we see the example of the man who had experienced the healing himself. He never stops telling, he never stops saying it's Jesus. He never stops holding to the truth of what happened to him because that's what we're called to do. In church, we're going to have to learn what it means to overcome that fear because that's going to become the greatest hurdle in people coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. How many of you know someone in your life that you know could benefit from what God has done in you, that you're praying God would do it in them. I hope there's someone in here that knows someone. Yeah. Has fear been holding you back? Have you been afraid? Have you not known what to say? Have you just been held back? What are they going to think of me? Do you realize that fear is becoming a paralyzing agent in your life that may hold you back from being able to share the greatest news that's ever happened to you? Something could change their lives forever. Are we really going to let fear get in the way of that? Fear is, isn't from the Lord. Fear isn't something that God wants us to live in and to walk in. We're called to fear God, but not fear people. We're not called to, to hold back on what God has done in us because we'd be afraid of how someone might respond to that. Don't let that stop you from telling your story. Fear is one of the great paralyzing agents. that gets right in the way. But God hasn't given us a f- spirit of fear, has he? No, he's given us one of faith, of a sound mind, one where we can walk and do the things that he has called us to. The second thing, second reason that I come across that many people don't share their story is because of shame and because of guilt, because of what their past has been. I've heard this from some of you as I've gotten to know you. You've started it this way. I'm not proud to say it to you, and I don't tell people about it, but I used to be this way before I came to Jesus. And as I think about that, I think about myself, and I, we, we can look at who we were, and it can be so different than who we are today that we could say, Lord, how did I ever live that way? And for many, it has broken our hearts to know that we've walked in such a way, that we've lived in such a way that doesn't honor God, and we become so ashamed of our past, so guilted by our past, that we would never, ever share the story of what God has done in us, because we don't want anyone to know what he saved us from. And for some of you today, that has held you back. Maybe early on, as you have shared your story, someone judged you. You felt like by a Christian, someone that they looked down on you because of your past. Here's something you need to know. It's straight from God's word. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your past is nothing but a testimony of where God has brought you from, where you are today. You're a new creation in him. But some of you, you haven't even forgiven yourself from your past And you live with the guilt and the shame. And I just believe today that as God's going to prepare us to tell our story, he wants to heal some of the things that have kind of hindered you from your past. And he wants to set you free of that. And he wants you to walk free so that you can tell your story because God may bring you to someone who is where you were. And he needs you right in that moment to share your story with them. As much as it might embarrass you, as much as it might, it might feel like something you, you never thought you could ever do, you sharing that story might be the hope that someone needs. It points them right to Jesus. And so shame and guilt, those things become something that holds us back from sharing our story. Another one that's big, especially in the church, as we're talking to the church, it's you don't think you have a story. You don't think you have a story that's worth telling. You say, what's my story? I grew up, I accepted Jesus at a young age, I stayed in church the whole time, and now I'm serving him today. No drug addictions, no felonies, no this, no that. I, I'm, that's it. You know, I just, just been serving Jesus. Some of you, that's your story. And every time there's these powerful testimonies, you're like, I wish I would have sinned really terribly in my past so I can have a story. I don't have a story. You do have a story, you have a story of God preserving you, of keeping you, of leading you along, of godly parents pouring into you, a story of God's provision at different intersections of your life, and have you prayed and have you thought about all the ways that there were moments that you could have went one way or the other and God has kept you on the right path? That's a story worth telling, it's a powerful story. It's one you should never be ashamed of. And as much as people can feel like, wow, we only celebrate the stories of these radical conversions, many people have lived that way. Wish and pray that their story could have been more like your story. No one wants to hurt the heart of God. No one wants to hurt the people that they love. No one wants that, that to be a part of it. But we just thank God that he's given each of us a story that we can celebrate together. Amen? We can walk together in so for some, you feel that you don't have value in that story, but guess what? There are other people that live just as you did, but they took a turn at one of those intersections that you didn't, and you telling your story can show them that there's hope for them again, that they, it can relate to them right where they are because there are many that have grown up that have been that, and then they fell away at some point right as they went into college, after college, and wherever it was, something happened, and they veered off. God could use your story to be that which leads them back to himself that opens the door there. So don't be afraid to tell your story, especially if you feel like you don't have a story to tell. And finally, finally, I think the great thing that gets in our way is we don't feel like we know enough to be able to tell our story. Because as soon as we talk about Jesus, we're afraid that we're gonna get hit with this, you know, a theological exam from people and they're going to want to know about the Trinity and about this and about that and want us spitting off references and, you know, memorizing portions of Scripture and they're going to, they're going to ask all their booby trap questions of us and we're just going to sit there and we're going to look foolish and so we're not even going to get into it. We're not going to mention Jesus because people are just going to ask us a bunch of questions that we don't know the answers to. I love, I love, I love what God's Word shows us here in, in chapter 9 of John's Gospel because this man... I'm not sure that he knows anything else. I don't know what he knows. I don't know what he's learned in his life. I don't know anything else about him. I only know one thing because it's all that this guy wants to talk about. And look what it says in verse 24. It says, the second time they came back to him and they said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. So I give glory to God and, and denounce Jesus because he's a sinner. And this man says this, whether he's a sinner or not, I really don't know. I only know one thing. That I was blind and now I see. That's all that I know. That's the only thing that I know. And then he says, why do you keep asking me? Do you want to become his disciples? He's like, <laughs> he literally asks, them, like, what do you guys keep asking me the same question for? This is all I know. I was blind, now I can see. It was because of this guy, Jesus, that's all that I can tell you. You know what you need to realize? that That's all you have to own to be able to tell your story. Like, this is who I was, this is who I am. It's because of Jesus. That's all you need to tell people. That's your story. That's it. They're going to say, What about this? I don't know. I don't know any of those things. Here's all that I know. I was this way. I came to Jesus. Now I'm this way. And whenever you learn that, that's how simple it is. It can be like blinders coming off your eyes, it can be a burden that's been t- cast off you. And you could realize that's what people need to know more than anything else. God is not going to have a theology exam to get us into heaven. He's going to look in a book and say, Did you come to Jesus? What did you do with my son? And for some of us, we can get so caught up in all the other stuff that we forget that that's all it's about. He did this. This is who I was. This is what Jesus did. This is who I am. And he can do the same for you. And as many people as can see that and come to faith in Christ, we can see many lives change for his glory. Amen? Are you seeing the power of your story? The power of your story to change a life. The power of your story to see someone changed for eternity. And so I want to ask you three questions as the worship team is coming this morning. And there are three questions that you have to ask yourself today. And I'm talking to everyone here that you'd say, I have a relationship with Jesus. At one point in time or another, I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're far from him today. Maybe you even feel numb in your heart to him. God has a a moment today where I believe he's going to meet you in a special way. But the three questions are this. The first question is, why did you start following Jesus? And I want you to be thinking right now, and I want you to answer these questions Write to yourself. I want you to think long and hard about them. What was it about Jesus that called you to start following him that caused that? For some of you that have been with him for some time, what difference has Jesus made in your life? Has he made a difference in your life? And if he has, what difference has that been? Who would you be today without him? What difference has Jesus made in your life? And finally, why are you still following him? I'm talking to some people today in the room with this third question that you've been through the valley of the shadow of death and back. You have been through sickness in your body. You have been through relationships that have fallen apart. You have been through pains that you never knew you could feel. And many of them have happened since you started following Jesus. So the question remains why are you still following him? What is it about him that caused you in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty, to say, My flesh and my my body might fail, but the Lord is faithful. Why are you still following Him? Somewhere in those three questions, God is writing your story. Somewhere in those three questions, the author of life has been penning something that is just for you. And There's been something amazing about the way that He saved you. There's been something amazing about the way that He's been working in your life. There's something... There's something of a story and in, in something that he's been keeping you in the midst of all these difficulties. And in that, there's a story and it's your story. It's a story God has been writing. And that story is a picture of God's power in your life. The power to keep you, the power to save you, the power to move in your life, the power to sustain you through difficulties. That's a picture of his power in your life. And whatever it is that's coming to your heart and your mind right now, Would you commit that story to the Lord and say, Lord, I commit it to you. And Lord, it's a story that's worth telling and I'm gonna tell your story, the story of what you've done in my life. Would you stand with me this morning? I want you just to bow your hearts before the Lord right now. I do want you to think about those three questions. Why did you start following Jesus? Why why are you still following Jesus? What difference has Jesus made? And as you're praying through that, just a moment, I'm going to invite the altar workers. Would you come, altar workers, and take your space here at the front? Begin to intercede for those that are here this morning. There's some people that are here within the sound of my voice, and God has been tugging on your heart today. The author of life, he wants to write a brand new chapter in your story. You've been living for yourself. You've been living separated from God. You've never acknowledged God with your life. You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And here's what you need to know today. That there is no hope in this world without him. And that today, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how shameful you think your past is, that there is forgiveness and there's a new beginning in Jesus' name. He can change everything to those who will call upon him. He can save you from a pit of despair this morning but you need to acknowledge him. And so today, I want you to take a bold step and if you know that you need Jesus in your life to save you, if you need to come back to Jesus today if you've been far from him, I want you to lift your hand high above your head and don't be ashamed in this moment to acknowledge your need for him because he will meet you right now. So if that's you, lift your hand right above your head if that's you. Amen. I see hands going up. If you're up in the balcony, lift your hand right above your head. Don't hold back. Don't Don't be ashamed in this moment. God's celebrating this choice with you. Amen. Hands are going up around. I see hands going up all around. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace that sees me right where I am, that loves me just as I am, that forgives me for everything. I believe that you came and that you died, and that you rose again for me. And I will now follow you all the days of my life, turning away from my old life, and carrying out the plans you have for me. In your name I pray, amen. Can we celebrate together? Lord Jesus, I thank you for those that are here today. For those, Lord, who now have turned a new chapter. And it's a chapter full of your presence in their lives. And I pray that you keep them by the power of your word, by the power of your name, Lord God. That you would give them a brand new life. I pray that their story from here forward is saturated with your presence, Lord God. With you intervening at every turn. Lord God I pray for those that are here today Lord I I pray specifically for those Lord their hearts have grown cold to you Lord they're here but they haven't been here in a long time Lord God there are things that are going on and they cannot see how you are working in the midst of the story that's unfolding in their life and they cannot sense you because their heart is so full of bitterness and so I just pray church I just feel so overwhelmed by this sense right now that God does want to heal bitterness frustration, anger that's growing in the hearts of his people and he's saying that you can't feel my presence anymore because this is building a wall between us. So if that's you, just surrender to the Lord right now. And Lord Jesus, Lord, you know you're moving on hearts right now. Holy Spirit, would you come upon someone, Lord God? Would you show them that you're ready to heal them right where they're at, Lord God? That you want to relieve them of that? And that, Lord God, you want to take a root of bitterness and you want to pull it out of their life, Lord God. Lord, I, make, I pray that you take away a heart that's becoming like stone and you give a heart of flesh, very sensitive to you, Lord God, that they would feel overwhelmed by the presence of your spirit flooding into their life. Lord God, would you arrest them in this moment and in the days to come, Lord God. And would you begin to speak into their heart and into their circumstances right now. Lord God, whatever it is that they're going through, whatever suffering they're under, Lord God, would you show them your face? Would you show them your faithfulness? Would you give them, even if they can't see the answer, would you just give them peace in the midst of the storm? Right now, Lord God, we pray for them. Lord God, we pray for others, Lord, who have been overwhelmed with fear, Lord God, with shame, with guilt. Lord, I pray today at these altars that people would be healed, Lord God, physically. Lord, I pray you write someone's new story today, Lord God, one where they're healed and set free, Lord God, of whatever it is that's been holding them back, where they're being completely redeemed and restored. Lord God, I pray for others that you would fill them with boldness, with confidence, with a desire to share you with others, Lord God. Lord God, we submit to you our story we submit to you these few weeks, Lord, this summer, when we just see the significance, Lord God, of stepping out, of sharing the story of what you've done in us with others, Lord. Help us to discover the story of what you've done in us, and help us to share it with someone else this week. In your name we pray. Amen.